0: Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm.
1: Mike Valverde, you have my partner, my friend on the other, Nico Sagona.
0: How's it going, Nico? Hey, hey, partner. Like I was saying earlier, happy Friday. It is a beautiful day here in Pacifica, right by San Francisco. We're getting our summertime here, our Indian summer, we call it. So we get September and October, the only months without fog. So between that and all my fancy football, uh, you know, knowledge and research, or lack thereof, I guess, of knowledge, you know, I'm having a hell of a time here.
1: Awesome, awesome. You know, I, I was thinking um, since we're doing this on Fridays, maybe, maybe we could be the Friday fantasy football freaks, but I don't know, that that might be too many Fs to freak out
0: on. I don't know. <laughs> hey, man, the more Fs, the better, unless it's a report card.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had too many of those, I tell you that. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, did you were you able to catch a game
0: last night? Yes, I was. I, um, like I told you, I've gotten a bit of a, uh, an affliction for uh, putting some money on the games here. So I had a little bit of money. I actually broke even on all four of my bets. I won two, lost two. But, um, you know, it was a very strange game, Mike. I predicted that it would be ugly in the first half. Uh, I just predicted that the Jets would be uglier uh, in the first half. Uh, so, you know, just uh, seeing uh, Sam Darnold continue to struggle, Uh, For fantasy relevance, you know, it really renders people like uh, Robbie Anderson useless, in my opinion. Uh, In our league that you and I are in, Mike, I have Robbie Anderson. He was on a bench, and I actually started um, Quincy and Nunwa instead, who didn't really do that well either, but still had a few more opportunities than Robbie Anderson. So, you know, uh, Darnold's definitely scaring me. Um, Isaiah Crowell did pretty well for the Jets, had a couple of uh, touchdowns there. I didn't mean to rhyme the Isaiah Crowell did so well. (laughs) <laughs> but <sound> like Dr. <laughs> Seuss there. But no, uh, he definitely that was a pretty uh, fun thing to watch. And Mike, I had uh, Carlos Hyde in one of my leagues. Unfortunately, I was also playing against Carlos Hyde in one of another leagues. But anyway, um, let's focus on the one I did have him in, where you know he put up I think damn near 25, maybe a few more points than that. Um, you know, get a couple of touchdowns. He was active in the passing game a couple of times early in the first half. Uh, was you know churning out those yards and you know that's uh it is what you expected to see from a Cleveland Browns and New York Jets matchup i think the running backs would be the the highest uh you know scoring fantasy players is not surprising followed by the kickers probably uh the quarterbacks you know baker mayfield i was uh, i was impressed with baker mike did you get a chance to watch the game and if so did you you know what do you think of baker
1: yeah you know he played great i i thought that he he really led the team made some excellent passes and throws that that need to be, you know, uh, someone that is a first pick of the draft. I like his ball placement. You no, know, The only thing that that I'm not willing to say jump on the Baker Mayfield wagon yet is the fact that it was only a half, if that. And, you know, as we've seen from Sam Darnold, the first week he came in, he did – well, then he hasn't really done much the last couple of weeks. So I I could see some up and downs with Baker Mayfield. Uh, there, he's definitely going to be the starting quarterback probably throughout. Uh, so you you definitely want him on your team. I think he has the greatest potential, but I'm not willing to say, okay, this is how it's going to be for the next 13 games.
0: And partner, uh, something to jump in on, on this uh, to, to all our listeners out there. Uh, a lot of these, uh, the Jets' scores, it seems that they come a lot of time not really from the offense. So what I mean by that in the first game, uh, Monday Night Football against the uh, Lions, where they just absolutely blew them out of the water. I believe they had a pick six, uh, they had a special teams touchdown, they had a couple other turnovers that set them up with a really good field position, and then against the Browns last night, their first touchdown drive came because of a blocked punt. So those things that kind of, you know, kind of scared me away. I thought I, I kind of thought the Jets were better than they were, but once I started to dig deeper into those and see that a lot of the Jets' offensive touchdowns led by Donald are really started with short fields. Uh, so, you know, the defense is already on their heels, and the running back will have a couple of good runs, and then, boom, they're in the red zone. So th- things like that, you know, things that are to keep in mind after a sloppy, sloppy Thursday night game.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and those are some good points. If they're not driving down the field and scoring touchdowns, then – yeah, it's it. The stats are definitely looking better than what they actually are.
0: Yeah, exactly. So and it's a lot different too. Darnold is definitely not um, Josh McCown. You know, he's not going to be out there just tossing the ball left and right and trying to, you know, work those guys' defense like they were last year. So Robbie, like I said, Robbie Anderson and other, uh, you know, Jets receivers perhaps aren't going to have as much value if Darnold's, you know, taking more time to learn how to be uh, an NFL passer. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so you might want to be a little patient with Darnold, and definitely with those receivers that you have. Like you said, Robbie Anderson, and if they're not exploding off the sheet right away, you know you might want to just temper those expectations and just hold hold for and for another couple of weeks and see how Donald actually does. And and if he can, you know, drive the team down the field without any uh, help or hesitation. So. Yeah, definitely, is a, you know, you want to keep that in check. Maybe play them during bye weeks or something like that when those start coming up or injuries if if you have them.
0: Yeah, and I, and I definitely so. agree with you there. So that's, that's, that's a good one to check. Uh, Mike, some juicy matchups this week that I circled on my fancy, you know, kind of cheat sheet. So we have uh, Pittsburgh playing Tampa Bay. On the Monday night special, That's uh, going to be uh, a lot of high score. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, in my opinion. Uh, neither of those teams have really done that much to stop other teams. So, I'm very curious to see. I mean, I know that they did slow down uh, a beat-up Philadelphia Eagles offense. But other than that, I, mean, I still think it's going to be a high-scoring game where each team has the potential to get 30 points. Uh, another game like that, Mike, we have the my beautiful 49ers going to get their behinds handed to us in Arrowhead Stadium <laughs> against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's going to be loud. It's going to be rocking for the Chiefs home opener. Patrick Mahomes is finally the man there, so they're going to be welcoming him with the, every single decibel they have and trying to prove that they are the best home field advantage in the NFL. Another big game we have, uh, we have the Saints versus the Falcons. I think that's a very big, fancy game. A lot of points to be had there. You have the Chicago Bears versus Arizona and Minnesota versus Buffalo. Now, those two teams, I think uh, Buffalo and Arizona, are going to get their – uh, asked his hand to them, Mike. But I was meaning for the fantasy relevance more of the Chicago team and the Minnesota players. And uh, we'll talk more about Minnesota because uh, Dalvin Cook, I believe, is out for the game, which means Latavius Murray will be the starting running back. So we could dive de- uh, we could uh, dive a little deeper into that later. But yeah, Mike, those are kind of those matchups, you know, that you look at throughout the week. You're like, oh man, this team can't stop anybody. Oh god, this team, you know, couldn't stop you know Water if they tried. So. Uh, Kansas City's defense definitely looks like it's going to get gashed up a lot. I think the 49ers are going to have a pretty good opportunity to put up at least 25 to 30 points. Uh, I definitely like Pittsburgh against Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, I know Pittsburgh's done pretty crappy, and I think they want to come out and show, uh, you know, their powerists. And they definitely have, you know, the arsenal to do it. They have two of the top receivers in the league, and Antonio Brown and Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And James Conner is definitely filling in quite handsomely for the holding out Le'Veon Bell. Now, Mike, before we get too far in this, uh, Le'Veon Bell's been just wreaking havoc on all type of people's uh, fantasy lineups. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of buddies asking me, hey, man, do I freaking do I trade this guy? Do I sit on him? Like, what the hell do I do? I drafted him, you know, number one, number two, or number three overall, and he has got me zero points, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. And if he is back, is he going to be, you know, ready to play football? So, Mike, what do you have? Any observations on Le'Veon Bell?
1: Yeah, you know it doesn't it doesn't look good if he that he's going to be anywhere near coming back. I, the of course the biggest test will be week ten. But if you're in a redraft league, come week ten, that's going to be a little too late. I think if you have the depth and you can get some good pieces, then you are going to trade for him uh, or trade him away. But that's the biggest problem: is the longer you wait the harder it is going to be to trade him. And so I I say if you can get something for him, trade him. If you can't, then, you know, it's just might as well hang on to him. But you're going to have to get something good in return. It's it's just not a giveaway uh, situation because any moment, any week he can return. And, you know, I – my my speculation if i had a if i had to make a guess or a statement about it i i would say he doesn't return until week ten uh if not at all
0: wow okay, bold statement yeah definitely you know it's, this is definitely one of the more serious holdouts i've seen uh in a while here. So, you know, Mike, I definitely, you know, to see a superstar sitting out this long, right, usually these guys come back, right? Earl Thomas is still pissed off that he's still reported back to Seahawks, right? You have, um, who was it, Aaron Donald was able to work out his, you know, contract issues with the Rams, and they're able to come back. And then Khalil Mack, he was traded. You know what I mean? It's just you, you don't really see guys sitting out week three, week four, you know, going into week five. I mean, so... Let's let's say that Levion for sure sits out, uh, obviously, he's sitting out this week, so that's week three. And then for sure sits out next week, it's week four, right? Four games into a 16 game season, that's one quarter of the season, Mike, right? and that's you're one of your best players. So for you to draft, you know, A, for fantasy football wise, and then B, just for football in general, you know, the Steelers, they're only, you know, they get better because they have Levion, right? You have to stack the box more than, boom, Antonio Brown or Juju Smith are going to, you know, destroy you deep or something like that. So, um, Oh yeah, it's just it's something that you know we have to keep an eye on. And if Le'Veon does not come back, I think it's going to make it harder and harder to look at Antonio Brown as the clear and you know definitive number one. I don't think that he, I don't think it should be taken away from him yet. The title of the number one receiver. I think he's still the best receiver, uh, in my opinion. And I would you know definitely want him as my number one receiver on all my teams, but. Uh, if they're able to kind of put more people on him and, you know, start, you know, shadowing him a little bit more with an extra safety or a little bit of extra help at the line, uh, you know, things are going to get a little more, a little messier for Pittsburgh in an already messy situation with zero wins, two games into the season. Yeah, exactly.
1: And what, what did, what did, what was your impression that whole whole thing with Antonio Brown?
0: Um, well, are you referring to the whole the trade me tweets and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah, that whole and then his um, sort of his response to it all, just saying that he's angry and he's you know instead of saying okay, well you know um, he didn't even apologize. He just was just said his whole reason was he was angry and you know he doesn't want to lose.
0: Yeah, and so for the listeners that don't uh, that you know are in the dark here, so what happened was. Uh, somebody was posting, someone was pretty much just a troll on, I believe it was Instagram or was it was Instagram or Twitter, Mike, but anyway, uh, one of those there, uh, they're on there, there's trolling AB, uh, you know, talking about Antonio Brown is only good because of the system he's in. If you put him on any other team, he wouldn't perform nearly as well. You know, he owes everything to big Ben, and Le'Veon Bell, helping out on his team, blah, 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 And, you know, um, this is, it got pretty heated and, you know, people started saying, like, hey, man, Antonio Brown really went, you know, he dug deep to find what those guys were saying, and he was looking at those comments, and he started, you know, starting, you know, these responses. hey, trade me and find out, you know, these little angry hurt things. Well, we come to find out that the man that had posted it, he was the Steelers' public relations uh, manager, I believe, for six to seven years. Uh, and that he was, I don't know if he was terminated or, you know, they just went different ways two years ago, but... Up until last year, I believe, he was the director of public relations for or, or at least social media or something like that with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So for an ex-worker to come at you like that, I think that's where Antonio Brown got a little more uh, animated than most people expected him to do over, you know, this, you know, little stupid social media trolls. Uh, but him saying, you know, trade me after the whole Le'Veon Bell drama. And, Mike, I think a lot of people are overstepping the fact they're kind of, you know, not really uh, looking as deep as they should, but a lot of the offensive line was talking trash on Le'Veon Bell. You know, hey, you know, forget him, man. Be a man. Tell us what you're going to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone's pissed off. Le'Veon's got to be sitting there, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I made you guys look so much better with my patient running style and the way that I'm able to, you know, create holes for myself because I definitely think Le'Veon makes that offensive line, not the other way around. Um, you know, I definitely – I think I had to rub them the wrong way. And then, boom, what happens? They go out and, they, um, yes, James Conner had a fantastic rookie game, but he also fumbled away late in the fourth quarter that allowed Cleveland to come back and tie the game, which, uh, you know, ended in a tie. And for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, when they started the season, you know, you're, you're circling with two matchups with the Cleveland Browns. And you're thinking two Ws. You know, you're trying to get home field advantage for the AFC, and now you're looking at sitting in last place if you don't beat the Buccaneers. So I think, Mike, it's just a lot of BS, a lot of drama. They need to turn off the reality TV shows and just get back to football. And They need to kick the crap out of Tampa Bay. Otherwise, it's going to look like their season's in, you know, pretty big jeopardy.
1: Yeah. And and speaking of Tampa Bay, what – Ryan Fitzpatrick, do you think he's going to
0: continue (laughs) to perform at the level he is performing? You know, like I think if he keeps dressing like a combination of Conor McGregor and some type of other Boston drug lord, uh, I mean, he looks hilarious, doesn't he? I mean, he comes out there. I think he was wearing a Deshaun Jackson's chain and a couple of other pieces of clothing last week during the press conference. I mean, I, I literally, when I saw it, I thought it was McGregor. I was like, oh, what's McGregor doing on NFL Network? It's like, oh, my God, that's fit. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. Uh, so, you know, I was cracking up, but... You know, they are just absolutely tearing up the NFL right now. Uh, For them to go and just destroy the Saints' defense. I mean, we knew the Saints' defense had its faults and its, you know, problems in a secondary, and especially the working back, Marcus Lattimore, from last year's uh, pretty gruesome injury. Um, Just seeing the way they torched New Orleans, uh, they were able to hold on for that W, and then also for them to go in, I think they put up 27 against uh, the reigning champs, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's you know that's no easy feat at all. So that you know those two things, you know with Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean the way he's passing, uh, you know we all we all have seen this before with Fitz when uh, whether it's he was on the Bills and he beat you know Tom Brady once or uh, when he went to uh, I think he's on the Jets and they had you know a couple of games where he's just you know chucking 400 yards here and there and just you know totally throwing a bomb after bomb because his team was down or has no defense. Um, you know the thing with uh, Fitz is that he's always going to come back, but Mike for those who are owning Fitz and have him in their starting lineups, don't get off the bandwagon until, you know, you really know that it's, you know, he's fizzled out. Because with his team and their lack of a run game, uh, you know, they really have Peyton barbas and they're not really impressive. I think uh, we also have uh, Jones. Uh, he hasn't really done that much. So, you know, their team is kind of all over the place in the run game. Uh, their defense is porous. They have a lot of guys uh, injured their first-round pick, Vita Vita. Uh, the D tackle, he's going to be making his um, rookie debut uh, coming up this Sunday, or excuse me, this Monday night. Uh, so, I mean, they're in a position, especially with the speedsters they have, with uh, Deshaun Jackson being a speedster. I believe Chris Goodwin has pretty good speed, and then Mike Evans with a massive you know, size on the outside, and O.J. Howard up the middle. Uh, with, uh, and they have one more tight end, I- I Cameron Bray. You know, they have an arsenal that, you know, you definitely see that could be uh, very, very productive for fantasy football in upcoming weeks. What do you think, partner?
1: Yeah, you know it, it's uh, like you said that offense, and then it's just very explosive and very talented. So why not? And it's, it, it's not like Fitzgerald hasn't done this before. He's he's had games where in stretches where he's just been amazing. You you would think, oh my goodness, how's this guy been? on every single team in the NFL and not been a starter <laughs> for his whole career. Uh, and then, you know, three weeks uh, afterwards, you're just like, Oh, that that's why he's been a backup. Oh, you know, after he's thrown one touchdown and five interceptions. So I, I think it's exactly. going to, it's going to all fall back down to earth just because he's been in the league way too long for him to, for us to say, okay, well that's not going to happen, but, I'm enjoying the ride. I think he's enjoying it too. As you mentioned, dressing up um, and looking like Conor McGregor and just having fun with it. So, <laughs> as long as he's having fun, I think we're all having fun. And, I, you know with that that Pittsburgh defense, as you mentioned, is is not the greatest uh, against the pass. So, I think we're going to definitely see another week of uh, Fitz magic.
0: Yeah, exactly. And Mike, speaking of magic and kind of, you know, riding the hot wave or the hot start of this two-week season, Patrick Mahomes, holy hell, this guy is unbelievable. I mean, obviously, I think it's a little too early to start crowning him the MVP and, you know, the next freaking, you know, revolutionary quarterback that's going to set the world on fire, blah, 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 but... You know you, you, get this, you know, you get this feeling of the sense when you watch him play. I mean, he had six touchdown passes against the Steelers last week. Now, granted, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they're not the 1985 Bears by any mean on defense, but at the same time, they're still an NFL pro defensive expected to be in the playoffs this year. So, you know, for them to get shredded like that by Patrick Mahomes, and I think he left two touchdowns on the field. He overthrew Kelsey, and then I think uh it was a, a, a drop, and then there's another one with Watkins. That could have been an easy Watkins touchdown. So, I mean, Mahomes had the ability to put up seven or eight touchdowns, you know, or, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it, it, that's Obviously, that's just totally speculative. But you get the point that this guy is just unbelievable, and he's facing my 49ers defense that really hasn't looked that good. We let uh, Matthew Stafford and the Lions pass their way back into the game last week where we should have easily blown them away and kept the, you know, the freaking pedal to the metal in the fourth quarter Instead, that would be a super close game and, you know, cover the spread for the second half, so that was frustrating, but... Um, you know, the 49ers are going to be in for a long game. And I think that for fantasy relevance, Mike, it's important uh, that, you know, you try to play as many guys as you can in this game that are going to have good matchups. And I think that um, besides the San Francisco 49ers, I don't know which wide receiver you want to trust. Garcon looks kind of banged up. Goodwin looks kind of banged up. Uh, Pettis as well got kind of banged up. So, you you know, the receivers are kind of scaring me. I think Kittle is going to be a good play. Uh, Matt Breida definitely could be a good play uh, the Niners are going to try to slow it down and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands uh, give our defense a chance to breathe but you know it's going to be obviously Tyree Kill and Kelsey and um, uh, Mahomes you know all these guys are definitely going to be uh, starters so uh, what do you see Mike from this you know from this matchup the you know Kansas City I think is really going to have a chance to blow the Niners out of the water but you know I'm hoping so it's, at least it's a kind of close game for my boys
1: yeah, you know, I, I definitely think the Chiefs are going to win, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Maybe one of those where it's Chiefs are up by, like, 12 points in the midway through the fourth quarter and the 49ers score another touchdown. And one player that I'm really looking forward to, and you probably could speak about him, is Matt Breida and how he, he's going to do. What what are your thoughts this far about, about Matt Breida?
0: Well, the thing that we like about Matt Breida, I think, for the 49ers is that he has home run potential in every play. So when you get a guy that can touch the ball and, you know, he instantly could, you know, flip the field around. So whether, you know, he gets the ball to 20 and he's able to, you know, run it all the way down near to midfield and totally flip the field around for the 49ers or – you know, the, the, the little touchdown, little touchdown, I was going to say, sorry, the 60-plus yarder touchdown he had last week against the Lions, where he's able to, you know, kind of use Garcon to help him block all the way, all the way, and boom, you know, be very patient and go into the end zone, you know, not using his bursting speed. Um, I think uh, it was kind of funny, Tyree Kill took exception. Someone said that Matt Breida, you know, they called him a cheetah as well. They said, you know, there's two cheetahs matching up. How do you feel? And, um, Tyree Kill is not a fan. He's like, what, you wait you tell him to take his four, two forty or his four you know four three forty somewhere else ball blah, blah, blah. so that was kind of funny, but just for Matt reader to be mentioned in the same sentence as Tyree Kill, you know it's definitely something that the forty ers fans and baseball have to be excited for. um you know we have uh, our man um Goodwin on the outside who you know who's definitely got the you know, got the good speed, uh, and you know you got the Olympic speed that we love, but to have that in Brita as well after losing a guy like Jared McKinnon, who we spent so much money on in the off season, um, you know, instead of shorting up our defense, you know, that was definitely something that, uh, you know, caught my eye. Is that, you know, we were able to really jump back and okay, our running game wasn't slacking that much. It just seems that more like Jimmy Garoppolo is not very comfortable in the pocket and that defenses have had more time to prepare for him and they have more tape now on him on how to give him these books that cause him discomfort in the pocket. All
1: right, Now, would you be worried, especially this game that's supposed to be high scoring, if, if Garoppolo doesn't throw for, say, two touchdowns, or do you see it as just another game and he'll be back?
0: No, you know, I definitely think this is a game where he needs to come out and have a 300-yard, you know, two to three touchdown with only, you know, one or less interceptions. Uh, You know, he's definitely left some throws out there. You know, we've had a couple of plays. In the first game against the Vikings, I believe, uh, there was a huge play to Kittle that we overthrew him. Um, Another person, I think Garstone dropped one too. Uh, There's a couple of big plays like that. And then last week, I don't know if there are many drops. I could, I'd have to watch the film again. I was watching it off and on in between uh, my lunch breaks, or during my lunch break, excuse me. But, um, you know, it, it, he looks like he just doesn't have – he's not, not the same magic that he had last year. You know, he had that momentum at the end where he's really riding that wave of momentum. Uh, you know, he was able to kind of get going. But, uh, you know, I want to see him kind of have that carefree attitude. So what got Jimmy Garoppolo started with last year was when um, I believe – I forgot who it was. we have Hoyer or some – I think it was Hoyer. Hoyer got hit pretty hard against the Seahawks with about 30 – about 45 seconds left against – you know, a blowout against the Seahawks. And Jimmy G comes in and, boom, right away leads like a 40-yard touchdown drive. And, you know, it was kind of a no – you know, nothing to lose situation where he was kind of thrust in. He was like, okay, go ahead, Jimmy. You know, no one really cares. And he led this, you know, great little, you know, quick, quick little drill where they were able to score. And I think uh, he was able to ride the momentum with the, with the Niners being so crappy. Uh, you know, no one expected him to be anything, then boom, they rattle off five wins in a row. Now, with that being said, this year with the huge contract extension and everything focused around him, I think that a lot of that pressure is kind of getting on his shoulders and he's trying to be too fine in certain situations. He's trying to place the ball too perfectly instead of just being a quarterback and throwing it like he knows how to throw it. Uh, and that's going to start catching up with him. So I think he needs to take a deep breath, and I hope that he's able to lead us at least to the you know wild card uh, a wild card spot this year and uh, kind of gives us a little bit of playoff uh, taste before we go back to the off season and reach, uh, you know, revamp our defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree there. That's a, uh, that's a pretty good take on, on him. And I don't know. I, I, I hope he does well, but I also have a bet with my brother that Andrew Luck is going to outperform Jimmy Garoppolo. So part of me also doesn't feel oh. like I want him to do well.
0: Hey, you know what? I can't blame you at all that and partner, speaking about your Indianapolis Colts, let's talk about them a little bit. They've had a very messy backfield. Uh the tight end situation is an absolute circus show with you know, I keep studying Doyle and he freaking can't do anything, can't do anything and now he's out for week three. You know, it just uh the Colts are, you know, perplexing to say the least. Uh, but they are one or one and you know, they're sitting pretty looking like they, you know, have an opportunity to contend this year if Andrew Love continues to progress. Now what have you seen and what would you like to talk about with your boys?
1: Yeah, you know, it's they they really had a chance to beat the Bengals and yes, what we saw at the Bengals yeah, that 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 was a the game they should have won and then they did beat the Redskins. So they that's a lot of hope there. I think as far as team wise that they, they're not the what they were last year. Uh, now, as far as the running back backfield, I, I like Jordan Wilkins an awful lot. I think he's sort of a Frank Gore type of player where he's just going to be the first and second down back. And then they're going to have sort of a rotation with Marlon Mack. Who's going to be out this week and Naheem Hines. So, Uh, you know, and also the thing with Wilkins is he's a pretty good pass catcher. So I, I could see as time goes on him developing more and more of a role. Now with tight end situation, it's Eric Ebron this week, Jack Doyle's out and Jack Doyle was the the one that really kind of cost the Colts the game in week one. He fumbled the ball, I think 18 yard line as the Colts were driving down the field and needed a touchdown to score. And he just straight-out fumble the ball, and you just can't have that. If you, all you, you situations and all times, that fumble the ball, that's not one of them. And uh, so that cost the Colts a game. But, you know, he he's a big target. He's going to get his, his targets from Andrew Luck, so they're going to miss out on that. Uh, if you want to take advantage of that situation and the Colts run a lot of 2 tight end sets, you're going to want to pick up Eric Swoop. He's probably going to get those targets. Uh, that Eric Ebron gets uh, because the, Eric Ebron right now is going to be the number one tight end uh, until Doyle comes back. And I have to tell you, Eric Ebron has done some some better work than he did with Detroit. Uh, I think he, I know he has one touchdown. I think he has two, if I remember right. So I think that was, that's one more than he even had all of last year. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's it's, you know, that offense is, well, Ryan Grant is also someone that they're targeting quite a bit too. He's he's sort of if if you're looking at someone that you want to put in that is sort of sneaky play, Ryan Grant might be someone you uh, you guys might want to look at.
0: And yeah, Mike, the tight end position this year has been absolutely decimated, and we're only two weeks in. You know, what I mean, we have Greg Olson's already out. Don't any Walker's out for the rest of the year. I mean, it's just getting, you know, it seems that it gets, you know, each week that goes by, it's another tight end, boom, you buys the dust. You know, another one buys the dust, boom. So, you know, it's definitely uh, something you want to keep, you know, on your radar is watching these tight ends and knowing who to add on the waiver wire. Now, Mike, speaking of injuries, our man Aaron Rodgers. um, I say our man lovingly because he's my man, so I just kind of make him your man as well. But my man, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You know, he definitely came back and performed against Hero against Chicago. And then I think Minnesota, it was still a very heroic performance by him, but he still wasn't the very comfortable and usual Aaron Rodgers that we, uh, you know, used to seeing. He's not putting as much pressure on that knee. He's not, as able, he's not as able to, you know, boom, move around as much and extend plays. A lot of the play designs also have been called, you know, shorter for him so he can get the shotgun, the boom, the quick pass, get it out of his hand quickly so he does not getting, you know, absolutely obliterated or getting smacked up like he was when he was under center and then had to drop back and clean Mack back within his face before he had a chance to breathe. Um, so with Aaron Rodgers, Mike, he's, uh, I believe, the last I've heard of him is he's questionable. Uh, for Sunday's game against the Washington Redskins, who have blown out the Arizona Cardinals and then lost to your Colts. So it's kind of tough to see, you know, it's kind of tough to rate a team off of how they play the Cardinals or the Buffalo Bills. So I'm still thinking that the Redskins are going to get smacked in this one by the Green Bay Packers, but I think it has a chance to be, uh, you know, within single digits, uh, you know, for the Redskins, if Aaron Rodgers isn't fully healthy.
1: Yeah, uh, and that's that's kind of the the thing there too is is how healthy is he really? And I I don't really don't know. I think uh, it's it's definitely a cautionary situation for him. I I hope he's not out there trying to do something that is just going to get him hurt more later down the road and we'll see but after that game um that first week when i don't know if you saw the post game he was he was pretty pretty way out there uh and he just answering the questions and his answers were were far out there in a kind of totally tubular kind of way um as as the great uh bull durham movie um guy says um (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how well he does. But I think as long as he's on the field, he's probably better than 99% of the quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, you know, Mike, the funny thing is in one of my leagues, I'm the commissioner in one of my fantasy leagues, and I'm 0-2 in that league, and I have Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So I'm trying to trade one of those studs, you know, and try to get some running back help. But, you know, again, it's tough. You know, nobody really wants to mess around with me up there. So, and, uh, Mike, uh, I had a little theme going here. I noticed that we're having a bird problem. So our bird problem in the NFL, a lot of these birdies are having troubles flying. So the Eagles, they're having a tough time. They're not really looking like defending champs. I know they had, haven't had Carson Wentz back, but still, to lose Tampa Bay and to, you know, barely beat an Atlanta team that couldn't score at all, that was kind of weird. Uh, the Seahawks, good God, might they about block at all, do anything for Russell Wilson or the running backs. And the Cardinals, Mike, they can't even get a first down. I think they had five first downs last game against the Rams where, you know, Jared oh, Goff had four touchdown passes. I mean, it's ridiculous. And then you have, you know, the Falcons and Ravens, those teams are also one-on-one. They're not daring too terribly, but also not doing that well. But, um, you know, with these teams, Mike, with, uh, you know, if you have a Russell Wilson on the Seahawks that you invested highly in or David Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald on the Cardinals that you invested highly in, these guys are really sucking this year. And it's not, you know, it's not all their fault. They're on terrible teams or, you know, behind terrible offensive lines. But, you know, how long can he take it? You know what I mean? Like I have David Johnson in one of my leagues, and he's scaring me. I mean, you know, he's, he's a guy that thrives on catching the ball and also getting uh, touchdown opportunities and looks in the red zone. And if the Cardinals came and passed the ball over midfield, you know, more than twice, you know, how the hell is that guy supposed to put up? points that justify me drafting him fourth or fifth overall in some of my leagues. So, you know, these guys, Mike, how do you, you know, what do you look here? How, how are you looking at, you know, the Buffalo Bills, like, you know, LaShawn McCoy or guys like David Johnson, you know, these guys are on these god-awful teams. And, again, smack day in and day out, you know, how do you, you know, justify playing them in your weekly lineup?
1: Yeah, well, with David Johnson, you you have to play him regardless. Just because you picked him uh, as your first pick of your draft, and until yeah. he, unless he, I should say, not until he, but unless he has just absolutely zero points every week, then you you got to you got to do it, and that's just not going to happen. So it's a tough situation, it really is, and all you have to do is hope for the, that offense somehow starts clicking because it, it as you said, it's. Ugly. It's just, just awful. Um, it's probably one of the worst offenses in football, and it's very surprising because you you don't have like horrible players. Sam Bradford is not a horrible quarterback. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is a Hall of Famer. David Johnson is not a horrible running back. So you definitely have the pieces there to to at least be average, and it, they're not even average. They're it, it's. Like, it's like the initials of our show, just an F, and they deserve it. They deserve an <laughs> F-bomb. So, um, uh, we'll see what when Josh Rosen comes on and if he can be the savior. But you, when you're looking at your your a rookie running back to be a savior of your team, you're already in
0: trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like you said, you know, for them to want to have Josh Rosen come on and, you know, admit that their quarterback investments are already all failures, you know, that's just – it's insane. But uh it's gonna be something that's interesting to see and I'm uh you know, definitely curious to see how long they wait before they throw Rosen out there because he's also someone that you don't wanna to toss into the fire like Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills or last year Deshaun Kaiser on the uh, Cleveland Browns where you draft this first year quarterback, you put him on a god awful team, and then all of a sudden his confidence and his, you know, just his ability to be a quarterback in the alpha male is totally shattered. Those are things also you need to yeah, worry exactly. about. Um Oh, partner, I was going to talk about, so uh, I believe Marvin Harrison has the record for most catches in a year. Uh, Your man from the Colts, uh, back with the Peyton Manning days when they were just absolutely unstoppable. Uh, Michael Thomas is on pace to absolutely shatter that this year. I mean, now, if he does that, we'll see. But also, it's just cool to see that he's on pace to blow it away by, I think, it was like like 60 or 70 catches he's going to blow it away by if he continues his absolutely torrid pace. Uh, I think he's already has 25 catches on the year. But uh, Michael Thomas from the Saints. You know, he was a guy that a lot of people, you know, they were kind of iffy on it, including him in the Antonio Brown, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr. You know, those guys. are there, You know, uh, Julio Jones. The people, a lot of people were kind of leaning, you know, kind of leaning against holding him in, you know, to that standard. But now, uh, you know, looks like Michael Thomas may be, you know, the top one or two receivers. You know, I don't know it's just a small sample size of two weeks, but. You know, just seeing him perform, are you surprised at all? I mean, we shouldn't be surprised nowadays that Drew Brees, you know, lo and behold, is, you know, help, helping have those you know, fantasy-relevant, you know, supporting cast around him. But, you know, for Michael Thomas to be just absolutely tearing it up this way uh, is something that kind of surprised me.
1: Yeah, it, he's definitely blowing blowing it out the water. And as you mentioned, he's on pace to, to catch uh, Marvin Harrison's numbers I, I, I had him as the third receiver, um, ranked the third receiver in P, PPR leagues. But there's, yeah, I did not expect him to have this many receptions and yards and just doing what he's doing. Obviously, he's probably going to end up slowing down. But when you have that that kind of offense that the Saints do, you, you don't expect it to be more than a game. That he slows this down. He's he's definitely going to be upwards with you know eight to ten catches per game that you can easily count on.
0: Yeah, and yeah, he's someone that you know even though people are getting nervous about how good the Saints running game has become over the last year, um, you know starting back last year with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, uh, you know with Ingram coming back in two weeks, you know we should see. Uh, defenses, you know, stacking the box a little bit more to try to stop a big boy like Ingram or stop Alvin Kamara. So perhaps, you know, Michael Thomas will get even more looks and an ability to put up even more points as the Saints defense does not look nearly as good as we thought it would be. Um, you know, they they held on. They, they held the Cleveland uh, Browns to under 20 points, I believe, but that's only because the Browns missed a couple of extra points and a couple of field goals. So they left, I think, eight points on the field. Uh, easily could have had the Saints at 0-2 after, you know, two games that should have been absolute cakewalk. So that's something to always, you know, keep in mind as well. Um, So, Mike, uh, speaking of Mark Ingram, I'm super excited about him. I have him on one of my leagues. I'm trying to trade for him in a couple other leagues. Uh, You know, these players coming back at, you know, from the suspensions, you have Edelman coming back. You'll have Ingram coming back. You know, you have a couple other big names as well making these returns, you know, uh, Aaron Jones, I believe, yeah, he's coming back for the Green Bay Packers uh, this week after his two-game suspension. So a lot of, you know, fantasy-relevant names that we definitely need to be keeping an ear out and an eye out for as we're watching the stat cast and going throughout this week and, you know, kind of monitor how these guys are doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know, what, what, is, what, what are your thoughts on
0: that? Um, so what I'm thinking, you know, Julian Edelman, I think he's going to come into a good situation. Uh, the Patriots do not look like themselves. Uh, the offensive line is dog crap this year. I think Tom Brady is going to want to be able to throw it quicker more, get, you know, the ball out of his hands quickly to avoid getting smacked. So I think that once uh, Edelman comes back and he forms that nasty trio with Ed, we have Edelman, Josh Gordon, Chris Hogan, and then you have Gronk up the middle, Sonny Michelle and Rex Burkhead. Um, out of the backfield, James White still, of course. So I think that will be, you know, something that's definitely a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I think that the Patriots are going to benefit from Edelman coming back. I think the Saints as well are going to benefit from England coming back. we give them uh, a little bit more time to relax, also kind of give them the different look at running back, a little stronger, heavier dude, uh, kind of tougher to tackle. So, you know, those are all, all things are going to be nice and fun to watch as we go along. Uh, Mike, so, you know, I, I know I'm in multiple leagues. I, I'm sure you're in at least one or a couple or maybe a few more leagues. Uh, if you could choose one player this year that you're super happy you drafted uh, and kind of explain why, you go ahead and tell me. I'm going to go first. So uh, it's all going to go off of last night's game, but I'm going to talk about how my man, uh, Mr. Carlos Hyde. Uh, I was a big fan of Hyde on the 49ers. I don't think he was given a very good chance behind a shoddy offensive line. Uh, and I really saw that going to Cleveland. I know their lines not great, but they're still, you know, they kind of they do better work in the trenches, I think, in, the, in that AFC North conference than the Niners do uh, as of late. Uh, in, our AFC, in our NFC West, excuse me. So I think Hyde going there, and I knew that, you know, with the quarterback uncertainty and whatnot, they'd really want to punch it in with him at the goal line, and they'd really be looking for, you know, him to get those touches early in the game and late in the game as the Browns, you know, hopefully trying to win, I'm saying, probably five-ish games this year. I think they might have a chance to go five, ten, or one uh, if they continue the way they're going. Uh, so I was really proud of myself for drafting Hyde you know, pretty late in some of my leagues, and people are laughing at me, you know, thinking, you know, hey, they took Nick Chubb, uh, they have other, you know, they have Duke Johnson out of the backfield as well. Why are you thinking about that, blah, blah, blah. But uh, last night, you know, a 25-plus point effort definitely uh, rewarded me a little bit. Now, Mike, is there a player that you have so far that surprised you or done a little bit better? I mean, obviously, it could be a first-rounder that's blown your expectations away, or it could be, you know, someone later in the later rounds, anybody that you have in particular?
1: You know, um... Yeah, I do, and just to speak off of Hyde, I I really think that Hyde is is someone that is just phenomenal. He he's one of those players that never really gets the respect, and always is oh well you know injuries and he can't catch and well he played all last year and he can catch. So uh, I I think people need to get off that negative areas on, on Hyde and and. Start looking to draft him for you know for now on. I, now, is he going to be a fit on the Cleveland Browns? I don't know. They have Nick Chubb, but uh, I definitely I definitely agree that he shouldn't be as looked on as, as negative. So I, I agree with that that choice. That's a great choice. Uh, as far as me, I'm I'm big huge fan of Juju Smith-Schuster, and I I honestly. I liked him and I was glad I drafted him, but I honestly did not expect the kind of output that he's been producing in the last, in the first two weeks. I just am over over, over shocked about how well he's, he's performing. And now he's, which was riding my bench the first two weeks, unfortunately, is now in my lineup and he's probably going to stay. So I'm super pumped about Juju Smith Schuster.
0: Yeah, he's actually outperforming uh, Antonio Brown as of right now. So that just goes to show you that that plays for offense, you know, even though they're missing Le'Veon Bell, they're still, you know, they still have three top performers, you know, James Conner, Drew Smith-Schuster, and Mr. Antonio Brown. So those are definitely, you know, three names to – Keep in mind, especially with the uh, Pittsburgh's poorest uh, defense. You know, especially with Mr. Uh, Ryan Shazier last year going out with that neck injury, that terrible, terrible neck injury. You know, their whole middle of their defense. Uh, you know, he was the linebacker that really held things together. Uh, you know, in those areas. So now, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are experimenting with more DBs. Uh, more safeties, trying to see, you know, what they could do, and it just looks like they're getting more and more torn up as the weeks go on, you know, on defense. So it's definitely good for fantasy football because you want high points. You want a lot of scoring. You want, you know, games that are going to be a lot. Um, speaking of games that are going to be a lot, uh, Minnesota against Buffalo. So this game is going to be a blowout in my mind, Mike. I think everyone else thinks it's going to be a blowout. I think Vegas has it. at the uh, Minnesota has 17-point favorites. Um so it's gonna be uh, supposed to be pretty ugly. Uh, you know, you just hope that no one gets too hurt. Uh so I think Minnesota took that into account and they're benching Dalvin Cook. Uh I kinda called out from the get go that he was questionable as the week was starting and I know that they probably circled this game as a opportunity uh, as an opportunity excuse me to just take it off and kinda let him relax and heal. Uh, because they're going to have a lot more, uh, you know, a lot of tougher games in the NFC North that they're in. Uh, a lot of these cold games, you know, in the winter time where they're just trying to, you know, have a smash mouth, you know, approach because they're throwing a freaking frozen ice cube. Uh, so I'm excited to see how Latavius Murray does uh, mopping up, because he's going to be getting a lot of touches, I think, as uh, Minnesota tries to keep the ball on the ground and just run the clock out in the second half, because I see them being up at least 20 to 21, you know, 24 points. Uh, you know, somewhere in the third quarter. So I think the game's going to be well out of hand. And there's going to be a in the ball up to Latavius Murray, who might have an opportunity to bust a couple off and maybe get you, you know, somewhere in the upwards of 20 points or whatnot for fantasy football, all as a waiver wire ad. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. Totally agree with you on that one.
0: Yeah. So, Uh, That's that's another one uh, that I was thinking. And now, Mike, for another uh, blowout with the Chicago Bears playing the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, You know, do you stay away from the Chicago Bears on this one? I mean, are you – do you think Allen Robinson and other, you know, the top – you know, the other top dogs, uh, you know, who else is another pass catcher there? they have the tight end, uh, Burton. Do you think those guys are still – you know, yeah, do you still play them? Uh, You know, in a game that you're expected to be mostly Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen just kind of running the ball out trying to ice the clock against a horrible, 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 horrible Cardinals offense and defense as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I it's one of those situations where I, I just don't see Mitchell Trubisky being any more than a young Alex Smith where it's just short passes. Uh, and, yeah, outside of Robinson, there really isn't, much to go on, uh, so I guess Trey Burton is, is an opportunity, but it's definitely a running game, big defense, run, run as much as possible, and run that clock down, and have a quarterback throw when necessary and, and not throw interceptions. And so, to the life of me, I still don't understand that trade, uh, Mitchell Trubisky uh, to move up one spot and. <laughs> I mean, he's not even a game changer, so it's it's shocking that they were decided on that. But anyways, um, yeah, I I just don't see that passing offense doing anything uh, out of this world. uh, No matter how bad Arizona's offense or defense is, or they could be the worst defense in in the NFL, and it's still going to be ground and pound and play defense.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So those are the, you know, those are the kind of things you worry about as a fantasy owner and these blowouts. where it should be a juicy matchup, you know, where they're playing the one of the worst, you know, secondaries in the league, but you know, boom, right away, you're just messed up and you don't get that. So uh, that's going to be another issue. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that. I have Allen Robinson in a couple of my leagues where I'm going to be seeing if I have, you know, more favorable options, like a Deshaun Jackson sitting on my bench or maybe a Keelan Cole in the Jacksonville Jaguars where he's playing against the Titans and he's going to be, you know, the featured wide receiver, I think, of the Jags. Now, Mike, let's talk about the Jags a little bit. They're, uh, you know, in your division, so with the Colts there, and they are looking damn good. Those guys are scary. Uh, they have a legit defense. And even without Leonard Fournette last week, they were able to pound it and take it to the New England Patriots, which is something they couldn't do last year in the AFC championship game. So, with Blake Bortles finally playing football, uh, you know mistake-free football, it looks like. Do you see the Jags as a uh, a fantasy relevant team at all positions, and B, do you see them going deep in the season and having meaningful games when they need their star players all the way through?
1: Yeah, you know that's that's one of the biggest issues for the Jaguars is is the running back uh, is not the running back, but the wide receiver position as far as fantasy football because you have such a kilometer group that it's hard to say, okay, well, this guy or this guy, uh, you have Keelan Cole, you have D.D. Westbrook, you have Dante Moncrief, the list goes on and on. So to say, okay, well, this guy is the primary guy, there, there isn't none. It's it's just whoever can get open. On top of that, you have a team that's built about around the run, just like the Bears are uh, great defense ground ground and pound with Leonard Fournette so you with Blake Bortles last week superstar game that was without Leonard Fournette so now for Fournette plays this week you're going to see more of what Blake Bortles did in week one which was very minimal so I, I would stay away from Jacksonville's passing game as much as possible and just try to focus in on Leonard Fournette as really your only viable option. Now, if Fournette doesn't play, then you can look into maybe putting starting Keelan Cole or D.D. Westbrook, depending on how, you know, your starting roster requirements. Um, I mean, if you're starting five receivers, then that's a whole different story than starting two. So, um, yeah, you, you definitely want to look at what your starting requirements are and then go from
0: there. Yeah, and, you know, Mike, another funny thing that I wanted to mention is that Blake Bortles, the whole drafting situation with him was hilarious. I mean, they, the whole, the Jags wanted everyone in the world to think, I think they had a the number four pick and number three pick, I believe, that year. They wanted everyone to think that they were taking Johnny Menzel. I mean, they were telling the receivers, you know, hey, you know, we got you. You know, what what, what kind of, what would you want to run the Johnny Menzel? What books would you want to run? Now, do you think that the Jags, if they went back, do you think they would take back that pick? I think they spent the number four pick on Bortles or number three.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was an early pick. Uh, yeah, um, you know he he's okay. He, he, I think he's marginal, but I, I would have to look at to see who, who else was there. They obviously needed a quarterback at that time, but it, Bortles isn't, isn't isn't worth a fourth pick of the draft. So. If, if anything, they probably would have liked to have trade down. Um, they, I think their offense is pretty set, minus the quarterback. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what, what they do next year and the year after to to see if they're going to actually look to, look to finding another quarterback.
0: Yeah, because I believe this is Blake Bortles' fifth year. They they uh, they exercised his fifth year option, so this is his last year on his rookie contract. So after this year, they're going to have to make a decision whether they want to re-sign him or if they're going to let him go. So it's going to be, you know, something that's very uh, interesting to watch that play out because those guys are a Super Bowl contender for sure. So, you know, you definitely, you know, you want to be watching them and seeing, you know, how they how they handle that and how they attack that, whether they want to draft them as a quarterback or go sign one on the market, like a Kirk Cousins kind of guy, that was going to be a total game changer. But speaking of Kirk Cousins, Mike, you know, I know we're getting closer to the end to our show, but you know, what do you think of Kirk Cousins? I think he's really been playing well, and uh, up in Minnesota, I think that he was always a quarterback that wasn't really uh, surrounded by enough talent, or surrounded by enough options, I should say, the healthy options. Uh, you know, they always had guys, but they always seemed hurt on the Redskins. So uh, I think this year, now with um, Kirk Cousins, you know, having a phenomenal defense, and on top of that. Having two, the probably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL, uh, I think you know, I, I guess outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, that guy. Shoot, Mike, do you think that Kirk Cousins is the real deal, and he could be, you know, someone that takes the Vikings back to the, you know, the glory days? Yeah,
1: uh, as long as they don't lose the Super Bowl for the fifth time, um, they they really should be. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. I, I think Cousins is someone that was greatly underappreciated in Washington. Uh, he never really got a fair shake, and now he's coming to a, a solid offense with a lot of good playmakers. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook being out this week is is going to be hurtful to that team, but Latavius Murray is someone that can definitely step up and and fill the void as, as as well as he can, and they won't miss that much of a beat. So with that offense, um, with those playmakers, and that great defense, I think Cousins is in a great position. I, I bet he's loving it. Uh, the, I'm sure the Viking fans are loving him, and are grateful that he he went there because Washington sure didn't want any part of him.
0: Yeah, right. That was, uh, that was very strange. You know how you could kind of just turn on, some, you know, or kind of you know switch from a guy. I understand that Alex Smith had a ridiculous completion percentage last year, but. You know, they also traded away a second rounder, or a second, or little that was like a cornerback. I don't know. This is the weird, yeah, the starting cornerback too. I don't know. This is the weird overall trade in my mind, uh, the way they did that. So, you know, this is definitely, I think, uh, Kirk Cousins is a great way of saying, uh, "What the hell were you guys thinking? <laughs> you like that? Oh, you like absolutely, that?
1: and <laughs> yeah, uh, and not not only that, but they signed Alex Smith to this. Enormous contract, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah, it didn't make any you're
0: like you're saying, like a Trubisky. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And it, it yeah, it didn't make any sense at all. But um, you know, I'm not running the the booth, so whatever. You know. Yeah. Ex-
0: exactly. Right. We're we're over here for a reason, doing our little podcast, and they're getting paid billions of dollars to yeah. have. Um, a terribly named team in the, this PC world of ours, but, but that is that. Um, oh, man, that's, yeah, that's crazy. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Mike, any uh, any last tidbits? I'm going to say that, you know, this week I'm really looking forward. Uh, I have five teams. Uh, I think I've said this before to our listeners, so I'm hoping uh, last week I went three and two. Uh, it was my first victorious week. The week before I went two and three. So last week I got very lucky. Uh, Russell Wilson threw a touchdown. Uh, to Will Disley with about, like, 10 or 12 seconds left in the fourth quarter in garbage time. Nice. Uh, but got me a win against my, one of my uncles, so it got me a little bit more respect, I'm hoping, as well. So I was pretty uh, pretty stoked off that. But, yeah, uh, do you have any players you're looking forward to, Mike? Anything, any things, uh, any comments? I mean, I, I know we always say li- live on the waiver wire. You know, I always say be a w- waiver wire wizard if you can. You know, those are going to – those moves are going to save you your terrible, you know, third and fourth round picks that might bite you in the ass, but, um, you know, it's early in the season. So we're still hoping for, we're still looking for a lot of things here. Yep. Absolutely. And yeah,
1: definitely be on top of that waiver wire and just, you know, play the best player that you feel is, is the best player. And, you know, whatever falls, it falls. Don't forget that fantasy football is a good 60% luck and 30 35% skill, the other 5% we'll just forget
0: about. <laughs> exactly right. Sometimes you play all these. I did all this research and then last week that game where I needed uh, Russell Wilson to win uh, I literally, I think I had Keelan Cole on my bench, score 24 points. I had Will Fuller on my bench, score 25 points. And I had Deshaun Jackson on oh. my bench, score 27 points. And all of those guys oh. were uh, on the bench. Well, I had Rex Burkhead and my freaking flex scoring me two points. That was just the bonehead oh, no. of the year for me. I didn't know all the receivers were questionable going into the game, so I was kind of nervous that, you know, I didn't know how they would do, and I thought that Burkhead against the Jags would be a lot of, you know, little touches and a lot of quick passes, but boy, oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> it happens.
1: It, you know, it, it definitely, that's, that's the fantasy football life, and it, it's hard. It's very hard to see those points not count towards your team, especially when you have those players. But, you know, it, it also changes around, too, when you put in a player that you might not expect to do much and does it. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think i um definitely looking forward to doing this next week. And you can follow me at RFL Red Zone and follow Nico at Nico Tagona, And uh, that's us for Fantasy Football Freaks. I hope everybody else has a great weekend.
0: All right. Thanks, partner. That was awesome.